I'm I'm rusty too. Welcome. We had a start and stop. Andrew Howard's back. Welcome <laughs> back to Fight Night UFC. Very sorry for the folks that joined us about 10 minutes ago. We had a sudden start and stop. Got a little bit of a power flicker. Please be patient with us. Andrew had gave us a great backdrop to the fight. But Andrew, uh, I, it was it was so good, I want to hear it again. Okay. All right, cool, man. We'll go through it again. Uh, anyway, we're just going through the top third of the card, uh, just recapping UFC 266, just doing a reaction show as opposed to our normal preview show. So we'll keep it a little bit short tonight. Just going over the top three fights, which were all amazing. First of all, the, the one fight that a lot of people ordered the fight for that maybe didn't care so much about the main event. Some of like, old school guys really love this one was uh, the Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler rematch. Of course, their first match was in 2004, going all the way back to the Zufa days of UFC. Uh, and that fight, Nick was an up and comer. Robbie was pretty well established, and they thought this was just another walkover fight for him. Uh, Nick ends up doing the famous Stockton slap, uh, saying a lot of nice words to him in the octagon, which kind of got Robbie a little flustered. And Nick gets the second round KO in that one. Uh, fast forward 17 years later, we've got a rematch. We haven't seen Nick uh, in six years, but um, Nick and Nate are just phenomenal as far as their fan support. People love these guys. They are superstars. They move the needle. People will pay, you know, any any card you got. If you've got a Diaz brother on there, whether you love him or hate him, people, people will pay to watch these guys fight. And for good reason. I mean, they, they bring it each, each one of their fights. You're not going to really see a boring Diaz fight one way or another. They use a lot of pressure, boxing, a lot of volume. Uh, they've got world-class jiu-jitsu, both of these guys, uh, both brothers. I love watching Nate Diaz's triangles, um, and, and he's got some really cool guillotines. Uh, Nick has had some awesome arm bars over the years. So just a little background on those guys. Um, Nick. You know, it had been a while, so people were excited to see him back. And, and Robbie Lawler, he's a fan favorite too, man. He brings it every time. So there was a little bit of intrigue going into this because about three days out, uh, this was supposed to be a welterweight fight. Nick almost always fights at welterweight. Uh, so does Robbie. And a few days out, Nick had requested it to be moved to middleweight. Uh, props to Robbie for, you know, accepting that because most of the time, if you can't make weight, your opponent gets a pretty good portion of your purse uh, in that fight. Uh, so they moved it to middleweight, which kind of concerned me a little bit because, you know, I knew something was up if he couldn't make weight. And I, I wondered if Nick's heart was into this fight or not. But I got to say, it was very, very entertaining. A lot of fun to watch. I mean, you know, they might have called this kind of the senior tour of the older guys, but they came out swinging. Uh, the first round, ton of volume from Nick. I would probably give the first round to Nick. Uh, like I said, he uses a, a ton of volume in his boxing. I was curious to see if we'd see some grappling because I would definitely give the edge to Nick on that, but they kept it standing. And I would give the first round to Nick, a uh, ton of punches thrown. He came out throwing the spinning kick to begin with. Like, he, he came out firing. Robbie settled in the second round, landed a lot of good shots. And then the third round, of course, Robbie gets the TKO. Uh, really good shot to the nose, clipped Nick, knocks him over or knocks him down, uh, excuse me. Nick's on the ground. Robbie motions for him to get, get up because he thought Nick was maybe just enticing him to come in his guard and play jujitsu. And uh, 
Nick couldn't respond. He couldn't get back up. I mean, his nose was just busted completely up, and, and that was it. Uh, it was a great fight. Nick looked better than I thought he would look, but I thought Robbie would probably get that one, uh, especially when they had to move weight divisions. But uh, I enjoyed it, man. I think there's still a pretty good amount of, of fun fights that could be out there for Robbie. Uh, I don't think he's probably in title contention because welterweight right now is a murderer's row. you got Kamaru Usman, the champ, who I think is the pound-for-pound pound best fighter currently in the world. You've got Colby Covington, who's going to be fighting him in November. Absolute cardio machine. He's already beaten Robbie Lawler before, by the way. A um, ton of volume in his punches. Great wrestling. One of the best wrestlers out there. Uh, of course, you got Leon Edwards uh, on an absolute tear right now. you got Gilbert Burns, who's looked great other than losing to um, Usman, you know, last year. Uh, so and Jorge Masvidal is still out there, you know. Even though he he lost his last two title fights, he's he's still always a contender. So I, I don't think Robbie will probably go against one of those guys. But I think I think like an intriguing matchup could be Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, uh, Michael Chesea. He's up there. Uh, plenty of options for Robbie still if he wants to continue. If he wanted to go out and retire after that fight, then more props to him, man, because he looked great and. I can't think of a better way to end my career than avenging uh, one of your losses earlier in your career and going out like that. And tons of class by both those guys, by the way. They they shook hands. They hugged. You know, the first fight, there was a lot of trash talk. And of course, both guys were younger back then. That was quite a while back. Um, as far as Nick, uh, it's tough to say if there's any options out there for him. It would have to be almost like a hand-picked match for him. Uh, Chell Sonnen was talking about Damian Maya, but I don't think Dana White wants Damian Maya back in the octagon. He just didn't look real good in his last fight. And Brett Okamoto from ESPN was recommending Ben Askren, but I think Askren's probably retired at this point. And another thing is, I mean, Nick, at this point, it's about legacy, and I don't think either one of those fights adds to his legacy. So unless he absolutely wants another fight, I don't know, man. Maybe he just hangs it up. He just... He looked like he was tired, and he might have did that fight out of necessity. But who knows? I mean, I'm not, you know, training with him and stuff, so uh, I couldn't tell you. But uh, his his days are definitely behind him. So, one quick question I did want to ask you, and we we didn't cover this earlier, but I I had wrote this down. Does the Diaz brothers do they have a strange place in the sport to promote the sport now? Or can they be the face that Peyton Manning, Eli doing Monday night football? They're immensely popular. They are very popular, but I will say one thing. They, they hate doing any kind of press or media or stuff. They, they even admit they're very socially awkward when it comes to doing interviews and things like that. They smoke uh, weed though. Yeah. They love smoking weed. Uh, Nate did an interview with, I think it was Ariel Hawani and it was, it was a little awkward. He got up at one point in the middle of it, just unannounced. I think he went to the bathroom. I think he went and lit a joint at one point. It was just, it was different. And that's nothing against those guys, man. They they just don't like dealing with the media. That's not their favorite thing to do. But is there a role that they could fill? Uh, well, you know, they own a school out in Stockton, and they coach uh, jiu-jitsu, even the kids and adults and things, and, and they help train fighters. So I think they would be excellent coaches for you know any up and coming fighting fighter that's really wanting to get a really good 
jujitsu and boxing background, and those guys are tough as nails. I think that would be their role in MMA. I don't think Nate's done. Nate's probably still got a couple more fights in him, I think. But I could see Nick as a coach, you know, because he could kind of stay back in the shadows and not have to deal with the media and interviews and things that he just really doesn't like. He He's a pe- He's a people person uh, as far as not doing interviews or media obligations. But people, anybody I've talked to, and I've had friends that have met the Diaz brothers, said they're actually very nice people out of the octagon and very easy to deal with. So I could I could see Nick being a great coach. All right. Well, um, that was uh, almost a throwback fight to me. It just seemed like. It did seem like 2004 in a way. So let's move on up to the a little farther up the card. And as I said, we're leaning heavily on you. What <laughs> fight do you want to talk about next? Uh, let's go to the ladies. Uh, your woman crush, Valentina Bullet Shevchenko. The hottest <laughs> fighter in the world, Valentina. Yeah. Now so Va- Valentina, the hottest woman in the world, the Bullet uh, against Lauren Murphy. Pretty this much. could break your face. Yeah. It pretty much went. Uh, exactly the way everybody thought it would. And this isn't a knock on Lauren Murphy. She's a great fighter in her own right. But, you know, Valentina's here. Everybody else is down here. She's just she's just far and away better than anybody. She reminds me, and I know I'm so biased, but it, she's like a female George St. Pierre because she she's just good at everything. I can't really find a weakness in her. And, you know, the thing is, like, if she's fighting a grappler, she's going to outstrike him. If she's fighting a, you know – uh, somebody that's really talented at striking, she can take their weakness and take them down. Uh, but even then, she, she's she got to be the best striker <laughs> in, in her division for sure. Um, I was really impressed with her grappling the past two fights that she's had. She's come out there and just dominated in the clinch. She's got a great body fold takedown, which she was just doing at will uh, against Lauren Murphy. And she also did it against Andrade in, in their last fight. She is an excellent grappler as well, and everybody gets excited about her head kicks, which rightfully so they should, and her beautiful Muay Thai. But she can wrestle, man, and she's got some great takedowns, and she's really nasty at getting people in like this crucifix position and just landing elbows and just no mercy. She is getting better is the scary thing. I think she's getting better with each fight. I think she's getting even more well-rounded. She's fought since she was a little girl. You know, her mom's a champion. I mean, it's, it's in her blood, man. And um, she's just cleaning this division out. And But the thing is, I don't mind seeing seeing her clean the division out because it's just greatness. And I love watching – I'm just in awe of watching her fight, to be honest. I'm a fanboy. <laughs> she is – she's amazing, man. It, it's fun to watch. It really is. Even if it's a one-sided fight like it was. Now, it went four rounds, so Lauren Murphy hung in there for a little bit, but – it was it was all one sided the whole time. I mean, she is just so darn good at everything she does. All right, I got a two parter I want to throw at you. One is she clearly the second best fighter in the UFC history at the female division, and two, obviously, Emmanuel Nunez would be number one. Tell me why we should get excited for the third trilogy, the third fight of the trilogy. Yeah, she's, it's fair to say she's number two um, because you got to give respect to Amanda Nunez. She has won twice already. She does have two victories over Valentina, although one of them was very close with a split decision. Uh, 
but two and oh means you know you got to give the props to amanda and amanda's uh, the goat until dethroned um i do think valentine is getting better and i would that would be a super fight that would be that could headline any card and that would sell yeah. a ton you know and and i'm not big on trilogies if somebody's down o2 normally you only get a trilogy if it's a rubber match and you gotta you know they're they're one one and you gotta determine the best out of three but both fighters are cleaning both their divisions out i mean amanda's killing it in bantamweight and featherweight she's a champ champ most of the time you don't see people as a champ champ because you can't fight in both divisions and be active enough uh, to keep the belt in both, you know, both divisions, but Dana's let her keep it because she's just, she's killing it. And she's, she's, you know, just run through it and she stays active in both divisions, but I would like to see uh, Valentina move up and do it, man. I, I think it'd be awesome. You know, I, I can't blame bullet if she just wants to stick where she's at and, you know, rock it out and fly away and keep going. But um, that'd be a ton of money in a super fight, but, We'll see how it goes. She may just want to stay where she's at. And Dana knows he's got two superstars right now, and he may let them have a couple more fights before they, they get into it. But at the same time, you also run the risk of um, one of them possibly losing, which I don't see it happening anytime soon. But if one of them did lose, then, of course, you killed your super fight there. And the longer you delay a potential super fight, then, you know, the more likely it is, it's not going to happen. Look at like Anderson Silva GSP. That was the dream match for so long, you know, throughout the uh, late mid to late, you know, like 2005 to 2010, everybody wanted to see that. And then it just got delayed and it just never happened. So it's a question of, do you just want to keep throwing sacrificial lambs and letting them win fights and dominate or do you want to set up the super fight and see what happens which this would be like the only time you've seen a super fight when somebody's down 0-2 but it's just because Valentina's getting so much better but props to Amanda as well it's not like she's looking sluggish at all she's looked amazing in every one of her fights as well so here's the billion dollar question for you buddy came in off the internet if somebody else wouldn't answer it I would have all right, I'm gonna throw you on the big screen. I want because I want your facial reaction. Yeah, are both of these women clearly better than Ronda Rousey at the top of her career? Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I mean, well, for one thing, Nunez does have Nunez is the one who put Ronda into retirement. You know, she beat her in less than a minute. That was Ronda's right. last fight. It was in a uh, 2016. I think it was like New Year's Eve, um, and and Ronda just she had nothing for her in that fight. So if, if Rhonda ever wanted to argue that she was better than clearly Amanda won that fight in 46 seconds, she TKO'd her on the feet or, or like, you know, ref come in and stopped it. Cause she was just getting tagged. She had nothing for her, uh, you know, at all. And uh, that's not me trying to disrespect Rhonda. It's just that Amanda's just so daggum good dude uh, that yeah, you couldn't put Rhonda above these women Props to Rhonda for being a pioneer. She, right. she paved the way for women, and you can never take that away from Rhonda, whether you like her or not. And a lot of people, she's very polarizing because a lot of people didn't like her. I personally didn't like her attitude and stuff and the way she handles uh, herself after she, you know, first lost her title against Holly Holm, you know, when she was going on the tour and talking a lot of trash, and then she threw a towel over her head and ran out of the arena, wouldn't talk to anybody, 
wouldn't do any media leading up to the Amanda Nunez fight, loses that, and then she disappears again. And then from what I heard, you know, people in WWE couldn't stand her either after she had a run in that. So very, very bad feelings there. Yeah. Very yeah. bad feelings. But but with that being said, however you feel about her, she was a pioneer. But as far as skill level and being well rounded, she's she's not close to either one of these girls. These these girls are amazing. I mean, they're top of their game. Is this fight big enough to headline one of the biggest shows without um do you need a strong co-main with it? Or is there enough there just to get the buys with them too? I think that it could it could headline even by itself, just because you've got a super fight here, plus you've got two, you know, two ladies at the top of their game, which is cool, you know, for uh, everybody out there, you know, even young girls that are starting in martial arts that want to aspire to be, you know, like these ladies that could headline. Now, obviously anytime you got a good co-main, you can stack the card. That's always a good thing, but I would order, I'd order the fight, even if it was hardly anything on the, on the undercard besides this fight, I think it's strong enough to hold itself. You know, even if you were scheduling it for like UFC always has really big fights uh, around 4th of July, cause that's international fight week, uh, Memorial day weekend, and uh, New Year's, around New Year's, and usually around the Super Bowl as well because there's a lot going on in Vegas with, you know, gambling for the Super Bowl. So I was there for one of the fights around Super Bowl weekend, and it was, it was insane. So pretty good time. But, yeah, I think it could, uh, it could headline anywhere, man, for real. All right, Andrew, I, I do want to get to the main event. And the, what I did see of the main event, it was brutal in the nature I was reading you uh, an excerpt from uh, from Sporting News that called it um, "vengeful violence." So was it was it as 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 violent as I perceive it, and as the media perceives it? Yeah, that thing. As soon as the fight was over, there was a ton of you know fighters in the UFC, other people involved, saying, "Man, we got we got a fight of the year candidate right here." It was amazing. Volkanovski looked great. And if, you know, a lot of people for some reason don't really buy into him. And it's possibly because a lot of people argue he lost the second Max Holloway fight, which I could go off on a tangent about that, you know, but give him his credit. I think this might have been his coming out party, even though, you know, he, sh- he should deserve respect way before this. The guy's an amazing fighter. But watching how he just handled himself and just brutalized Ortega's face. It was it was rough to look at Brian Ortega during the fight and in between rounds. His face was absolutely puffed up under his eyes. He looked almost like an alien at one point. And I'm not saying that trying to make jokes or be funny. He he it was uncomfortable to look at his face. Uh when they were shining the flashlight in his eyes, he was kind of staring off into space. And, you know, he had a pretty rough fight like this when he fought Max Holloway and they had to stop it in between rounds because Max was just tagging him the whole fight. Fights like this take years off your life, honestly, and they for sure take years off your career. So it was tough watching it. But at the same time, props to Ortega because, God, he's so tough. And at the same time, he wasn't just a punching bag because in the third round, I thought he was about to finish the fight himself. It was a nasty submission he had. He had a mounted guillotine on top of Volkanovski. He locked his legs in what's called a grapevine position. So Volkanovski really, 
it, it had his legs shut down. He couldn't do much but squirm a little bit. He wrapped the neck. Volkanovski was gurgling. Like Ortega said, I could hear him choking like he was about to go out, and, and Volk would not tap out. You know, he's just playing. He's a champ. These guys are tougher than nails, obviously. And somehow he slipped his head out, which is insane because Ortega is a high-level black belt. Uh, he's a prodigy under Henry Gracie. They call him T-City for a reason because it's a triangle city. And speaking of which, even after Volk got out of that guillotine attempt, you know, when they were scrambling a little bit about a minute later, he locks in a pretty deep triangle. Probably not as deep as the guillotine attempt, but that triangle was legit deep. And Volk got out of that as well, which was insane because if you'd have told me before the fight that Ortega's got a guillotine locked from Mount with a grapevine in the legs, and then he also locks in a triangle, I'd be like, Ortega's getting one of those. That guy's a submission machine. And maybe chalk it up to it was in the third round, and they were pretty slippery by that point. You know, you're sweating. If that might have been in the first round before they were sweating all over the place and really slippery, uh, maybe Ortega gets that submission, but he was so close. So I wasn't biased in any way in this fight. I just wanted to see a good fight, but my heart breaks a little bit for Ortega being that close to being a world champ. And and I like him, obviously, being a, a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu guy. But props to Volk, man. He brought it. And after he got out of both those submission attempts, uh, he got down and did some ground and pound inside Ortega's guard and almost finished the fight in that third round. So they, they might have been able to stop this fight in between maybe, maybe like round three and four, but they kept it going. But props to Ortega for, you know, keeping it going. He's still young enough to where I could see him getting a title shot again. Most of the time, if, if you've had two title shots, it's tough to get back up there for a third. But I could see him climbing back up there. But um, anyway. Amazing fight, though. Anyway, yeah, Volkanowski got it unanimous decision. I guess I should have clarified that, <laughs> but he did win a unanimous decision afterward. And um, great fight, though. Awesome. So, why does the Ultimate Fighter lead to such violent, unfriendly fights? Does that environment really? I mean, these guys were both coaches on the Ultimate Fighter. What? Yeah. Is is it is it does that show? Do they match the coaches ahead of time and went ah? It's going to be a great fight. We'll let them get in here and fight, uh, coach. Yeah, and I think you know. I mean, a lot of it too is for camera, and they're going to know that you know they're going to talk a little bit of trash to each other. They're they're not going to have coaches that are gentlemen to each other. They they want good television also, but at the same time they want a good fight, and they knew they were going to get it with these guys. Uh, and, um, yeah, and I think when you're, when you're coaching against somebody, even though you're talking a lot of trash for the camera at the same time, that person's probably going to get on your nerves at some point, even if you're cool, when the camera's not rolling, you're competing and you're coaching these guys and you're trying to beat the other team as well as you got a fight to look forward to against that guy. So you're going to really get on each other's nerves at some point. So I think it adds a little extra intrigue to it. If you ever go back and watch the Rashad Evans uh, Rampage Jackson season when they were coaches against each other, they couldn't horrible. stand each other for a little bit. And, and like uh, Rampage literally busted a door. Like he put his fist through a door, kicked it. And I mean, the thing was just splinters when he was done with it. And they really went at it, you know, a lot of trash talk. They were 
they were, you know, legit hating on each other going in that fight, which is funny because they're cool now. There's a video of like Rampage Brank calling them and they were laughing about it. So I guess, you know, sometimes rivalries die down and people are cool again. But it's a good point, man. I think when you're coaching against somebody, it adds a little extra spice to it and you're you're ready to get in the cage and work them over a little bit, you know, a little bit more than maybe you, you, you would have wanted. The year of Chael Sonnen and uh, the Axe Murderer. Oh, uh, Wanderlei. Yeah, they had yeah. to cut it short because, you know, he, he attacked him on camp. That was, that was yeah. real. Yeah, I mean, that was nuts. Yeah, that's that's uh, where the, the famous line where Chael is talking to him. And, you know, Chael's got a persona. He loves WWF and he acts WWF. And Chael goes, buddy, you got to chill out. I can't let you get close. He said, I can't, I can't let you get close. Because he knew that Vonderlei was taking this for real, and Chael was just playing the bad guy. He even tried to tell him before the show started, "Listen, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna talk to you, and I want, I want views, you know. So I'm, I'm gonna kind of play a persona a little bit, and that was, that was pretty wild. That was, that was really him attacking him, man. He, he shot in and tried to take him down. It's pretty wild. And, and eventually, they did not fight at the end of the show. Yeah, uh, of course. But they eventually got into the ring together in another fighting. Um, Bellator, they fought. They yeah, fought Bellator. It, it, it was not much of a fight. I yeah, mean, it, it wasn't real exciting. You know, Chael got it. But, I mean, it wasn't like a, a barn burner or anything. But not the this, most exciting thing. 266, good pay-per-view, bad pay-per-view, oh. right where it needs to be. Excellent, man. Uh, two thumbs up to that thing. Even just the, the top third of the card really blew it in the stratosphere. Diaz, uh, you know, and Lawler was was better than some people thought it'd be, even though a lot of people had high hopes with Nick coming in there. Uh, the greatness of Shinchenko just continuing. I love watching her fight. And then the main event was something for the ages. You know, UFC puts their fights on YouTube, you know, long after the pay-per-view's over, like I think a few months, sometimes they'll release it when one of the, those fighters has another fight. So one of these days when they put the full fight out there and you can watch it, uh, check it out. And it, it was great. And um, I guess I didn't cover, but as far as what's next for each fighter, we'll go ahead and go with the champ to give him props first. Volkanovski is going to fight the winner of Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez, which is going to happen in November. Um, like I said before, Max, he's lost the vault twice. He's 0-2, but a lot of people, including myself, thought Max probably got that second one. I, I had him three rounds to two, uh, but, you know, no knock on Volk. I mean, the, the guy's amazing, and, you know, he, he did enough to win that fight. But uh, whoever wins Max in the year, that that's who's going to fight him. Uh, Max is going to be a pretty heavy favorite in that after the way he looked against Calvin Cater which he looked amazing in that fight. Check that fight out sometime. But um, I want to see Max and Volk go at it another another time. And that's kind of the rare example, again, of where somebody is down 0-2 and they still do a trilogy. I think everybody wants to see Max and Volk uh, go at it again. But, you know, nothing against Jair or Rodriguez. That would just be a huge pay-per-view if, if Max could uh, get his third shot and maybe get his title back. As far as Brian Ortega, I think uh, Calvin Cater, that, that would be the next fight for him. Uh, Calvin's coming off a loss, and so is Ortega. Ortega's got to take a ton of time off, though, man. His, yeah. He's He's got to heal up. He's a warrior. He wasn't going to quit. You know? It's a six to nine-month off period for yeah. Ortega, I would yeah. think. Take it easy, man. Heal up. And 
Um, looking forward to him being back in there, though, because that, that guy's a champ. You know, props to him. These guys are so tough that sometimes the corner's got to step in and say, man, he, he can't go on. But at the same time, it was a title fight, and he, he wasn't going to quit. So props to him, man. It's, it's one of the rare times that people actually might have gained notoriety in a defeat. They might have gained in popularity, you know, by losing a fight. So he looked great. He looked great even though he lost. And third round came so close to getting that choke. You know, your heart just breaks for him. But it, it was an amazing fight. Fight of the night for sure. UFC 267 before we get off from here. Two very anticipated fights. Two fights we've all, uh, talked about on here. One, Jan Blokovic, uh, Glover, Teixeira. Yeah. And the rematch of Jan and Sterling. This has the makings of a very good pay-per-view in itself. Yeah, and speaking of Jan and Sterling, it just broke. Sterling is out of that fight, so it's actually going to be Corey Sandahagen against future Jan for the interim title, and that just went down a couple days ago. So that's pretty fresh news on that one. Yeah, it's still not updated on the UFC app. Yeah, yeah, they may not have updated yet, but uh, it, that's 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 a little weird, man, because the way Sterling won that title now. That rematch, if Jan comes in the interim champion, yeah, becomes even more intriguing. Oh, yeah, and um, yeah, I was kind of disappointed because I wanted to see Sterling and him get back into it. Um, you know, I, I felt bad for Pewter because he was he was definitely winning that fight, but at the same time, you the rules are the rules, so you can't just you know, can't knee a down opponent in the face. And Sterling, for his sake, you want to win the title. And, you know, you don't want to win it via disqualification. You know, a, a title win's a title win. But I, I'm sure, you know, he'd rather got it via decision, knockout, what have you. But there, uh, there's, that, there's that forever moment where he just throws the title belt down and walks away from it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I don't know. But uh, Corey Sandhagen's a beast. That guy had an amazing flying knee knockout of Frankie Edgar. So, uh, that fight. Last time I checked, that was going to be the replacement fight. Uh, they may not have updated on UFC yet, but at, unless there's any contract disputes, that's what should be happening. But stuff changes day to day, man. Who knows? Just like just like the real world, everything changes from week to week. So stay, stay tuned to see what happens with that. I think Glover is 71 next month. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, he's... He's one of the toughest old dudes on the planet. He, he is mean, up he there. He's in his 40s. He's been around. And we're talking about a guy that I watched fight in some of those original UFC fights. Some of the um, Randy Couture, Iceman fights. You know, this guy's been fighting for 20-plus years in the octagon. Yeah, he's been around. And, um, Juan Blahovich is obviously going to be a huge uh, favorite in it, but uh, you know, I'm looking forward to watching it no matter what, man. I, I think it's going to be good, and um, we'll see what happens. You just – you never know. That's why MMA is so unpredictable. I mean, Juan's going to be a big favorite, but you just you just never know, man. <laughs> man, it's nice to get back on here. It seems like it's been forever. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been uh, good. Anything else you want to bring us about 266? Uh, it was just amazing, amazing night, dude. Well, well worth watching, and I, I encourage you to check the replay out one of these days. You know, ESPN Plus they they upload the replays. Uh, I think like a month after they happen, so uh, give it a watch whenever you get a chance, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens and 
how things sort out, but great, great main event. Absolutely. Hats off to both guys. And we'll be back on a permanent basis now. I'm sorry, everybody. We kind of got off track, off center, but we're back. Yeah. <laughs> My life gets in the way sometimes. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll even get a Tennessee game in in the next little bit. So <laughs> yeah, that would be huge. Yeah. All right, man. Well, that was good. I appreciate it. All right, Andrew. I'll talk to you before 267. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the <laughs> podcasting world. Thank you. Good to be back, dude. Everybody check in with us next month. We'll have coverage, wall-to-wall coverage of UFC 267. And its first show ever on River City Media was a UFC preview, and it's here to stay. So for everybody, good night. God bless, and we'll see you down the road. Cool.